0: Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: I want to tell you a little bit about the fine folks at ExpressVPN who have helped us out dramatically in terms of running this channel. What do I mean by that? Well, if you've used the NFL's American Game Pass, you've probably found that there's limited access to all 22, and also no live access to games. That's actually very different from the International Game Pass plan, which has both full all 22 footage and full access to games. So, I'm international, going to school, and Tyler and Steven are back in the United States, still finagling with that Game Pass to try to get the footage that they need to do the breakdowns on the channel. So I said, well... What if I get Game Pass internationally and then you guys can use a VPN? Uh, And after that discussion, ExpressVPN actually came and said, hey, we want to partner with you guys. So that's been awesome to deal with them. Uh, They have been great for the show and have helped us pump out these breakdowns that we know you guys have been watching on the channel. And of course, uh, when we talk about ExpressVPN, their uses go far outside of football. There's plenty of shows on Netflix in America that aren't available elsewhere and vice versa because, well, maybe that one's on HBO Max and maybe that one's on Hulu. So there's plenty of uses for ExpressVPN to get regionally-based uh, exclusive internet content. And so we wanna let you go to ExpressVPN and explore yourself. So that's why if you go to expressvpn.com slash guilty, again, that's expressvpn.com slash guilty, you can get a three-month free trial on us so that's our promise to you and we know that you're gonna love expressvpn just as much as we have if you're football fanatics like us so if you want to see that really pretty justin herbert pass that you saw live on cbs that week again but you want to see it in that beautiful all 22 and plenty of different camera angles you can again go to expressvpn.com guilty to start your three-month free trial today
2: Hey, what is up everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. I uh, hope you enjoyed our new little bit of uh, an introduction there. Uh hopefully that looked as good as I hope it would have. So, um happy to be here tonight with my guys Alex and Arjun. Uh Tyler is unable to make it tonight, so he's out in Texas. Um but, you know, like I said, happy to be here with Alex and Ty- and Arjun. I'm so used to saying Tyler. I almost said it again. Um Arjun, how you doing today, man? Uh,
3: I'm I'm doing amazing. This is probably like the best weekend of football we've had since the season started. Um, you know, the Bills Chiefs game is kind of just an example of like you really need a hit on the quarterback position, and if you don't, you're you're never really going to be able to to even come close to what the Chiefs and Bills did. So it really it really just made me happy. We have Justin Herbert, and even though we didn't make the playoffs, um, I'm super excited for our future, um, given that you know what we just saw.
2: Yeah, man, it was a, a crazy weekend of football, and you know, we deserved it after the complete snooze fest that was the wild card round. Um, you know, I, I feel absolutely gutted for Bills fans today. The fact that Josh Allen didn't get to match that, uh, just really friggin' sucks. But that game was awesome, generally a, a really good weekend. Um, you know, kind of a, a little sad that football season is, is coming to an end, but um, today was a lot of fun for sure. Alex uh gay for Matt Gay today man. Uh you know he missed that kick and I have to say I was a little nervous but uh, my guy came through in the clutch as the Rams go uh to the NFC Championship. So Alex how are you doing today man?
1: Came through in the clutch. Uh Tom Brady one step closer to retirement and I'm <laughs> one step closer to eternal happiness. So uh, I'm <laughs> I'm okay. The Chiefs Bills game was fun. Uh you know uh, it did kind of stink that Allen didn't get a chance to rebut at the end there but uh yeah no I mean they got to change that role going forward in the playoffs but uh I'm happy that we get to talk about the excitement that we experienced in the playoffs and then we get to talk about the Tom Telesco press conference
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so we are going to talk about Tom Telesco's press conference at least some of the general takeaways um and then we're going to kind of review uh the performance from the Chargers wide receivers and tight ends this season maybe revisit a little bit of our preseason expectations for those two groups, and also kind of talk about some strategies that we are looking for uh, to improve those two positions. But uh, like Alex said, you know, uh, it, it does suck that the overtime rules were are the, the way they are. I've always hated overtime rules at both levels of football. I know everybody likes to say that college is better, but I think both <laughs> suck. Like, I, it really has always irritated me that football is the only sport where overtime is different. Like, just give me an extra period of time and then give me a sudden death kind of expectation, some kind of sudden death plays. And I think you would have a much better result, much better uh, product out there.
1: Yeah. For people who think that the uh, college overtime rules are better, I would like you to watch uh, Illinois versus Penn State for <laughs> five hours and then tell me that it's better because I watch that. I slept through part of it and then woke back up and then slept again. And it was still on my TV and it was the ugliest game I've ever seen. So no college OT rules, but, uh, give Alan a chance.
3: Yeah. Like the fact that like he had that two minute, that whole two minute scenario, you know, scored twice, scored under a minute and he, he still lost because of a 50 50 coin flip. I mean, that's, that's like, that's terrible for the NFL. I mean, I'm sure every other, every single other fan wanted, every, every other fan except for Chiefs fans wanted Allen to get another yeah. shot. That's, and that's so tough. I mean, that this was their all in year. And the fact that they lost because of a coin flip, I mean, that's just, that's got, yeah, I got a feel for Bills fans. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, <laughs> Allen played two perfect games this, these past two weeks, like literally perfect as good as you could hope for a quarterback to play. And, you know, they're going to be watching next week, just like the rest of us. Meanwhile, Jimmy G uh, and Joe Burrow combined for zero touchdowns yesterday, and they're uh, playing next week. So uh, just uh, an unfortunate timing more than anything. I wish that were an AFC championship game instead of a divisional game, but uh, very entertaining nonetheless. So, um, that being said we are going to dive into some of Tom Telesco's press conference I know this was a few days ago so I know it's not super fresh in everybody's mind but we've had a few days to kind of think back on, on some of the things that Tom Telesco says and of course uh, kept a lot of things to the chest or close to his chest as he always does there was lots of general manager speak but um, Alex, what's kind of your your big takeaway or biggest takeaway from Tom Telesco's press conference? Uh, not
1: a big fan of whenever you bring up the fact that he's been here for 10 years and we have like <laughs> two playoff wins to show for it. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, he did not like whenever anyone brought that up in the press conference. Um, but no, I... I thought there was a lot of GM speak. He, you know, had a bunch of these quotes just talking about, like, oh, you know, what do you think about Mike Williams? Well, I'm happy he's here. Or, you know, what do you think about Justin Jones? He makes plays, you know, so, like, not a ton to, like, gain from that. At the same time, I do think there were some interesting quotes. Um, He likened the fact that they have three interior defensive line free agents to their offensive line uh, blow up last year when Tevye, Feeney, and Lamp Uh, We're all free agents, so I thought that was interesting. If you're talking about, you know, the conversation between Jones, Joseph, and Covington, which one of them, uh, you know, which combination of those guys are back or none of them back. I think that became more of a possibility based on his comments there. Um, Some quotes from Jerry Tillery. He has a (laughs) lot of skills we really like. New defense, but he came along. He's gotten better each year gives everything he has every snap, and then he asked himself out loud, is he a finished product? No, <laughs> not yet. And Tom DeLosco and Jerry Tillery's fifth-year option, we have time to figure that out. Uh, so yeah, some barn burner quotes there. Aside from that, I thought it was pretty basic. Um, I, I think one thing that got a lot of people's attention was also the Matt Ariza quote. Uh, where he brought up the punter from San Diego State uh, said he would do his work on that so we'll see what comes of that uh, but other than that it was pretty general GM speak uh, I did see a lot of people take into account the fact that he said that there is no rookie contract window um, but I didn't make too much of that you know comment either heading into free agency I do still think they'll kind of go uh, all in this year with the salary cap space they'll have so um pretty much just wait and see for me when it comes
2: to the telesco press conference right now yeah you know i I think the defensive line and and specifically the defense in general is really kind of the big takeaway from tom telesco's press conference for me and i I think you know it's the same can be said for uh brandon staley you know i had to watch the tom telesco press conference in in tidbits i I could not sit there for, for an hour and listen to all of those questions so uh, thankful for Alex for doing that and, and tweeting out uh, takeaways on the fly, but I, I think for me, you know, the biggest storyline of the next few weeks outside of you know Mike Williams is obviously the defensive line, and uh, you know it's going to be really interesting what Tom Telesco and every and and uh, Ed McGuire and all those guys decide to do because you know Linval Joseph is older; he was pretty much their most productive, at least on this in terms of the stat sheet, defensive lineman. Uh, Christian Covington was really signed as that fourth defensive tackle and to me really did not earn another spot back so that to me is is definitely a spot that you have to upgrade Jerry Tillery potentially picking up his fifth year option or not I would prefer not and I think all of us are on the same page there Um, and then obviously you have Justin Jones and I think I could definitely see a world in which Justin Jones is not on the Chargers next year I think you look at you know, the injuries, I think you look at the production and he's, he's a solid producer across the board. He, he's uh, you know, I did that free agent composite ranking list and he's kind of middle of the pack, at least in terms of, you know, run stop percentage and pass rush win rate. So he's a solid option, but you know, Alex has been saying that uh, you know, he's the, was the best defensive tackle on the roster and I kind of agree with that, but that's also kind of the problem, right? Like yeah, yeah. you can't walk into a season with Justin Jones as your best defensive tackle, in this kind of scheme and really be successful. So I know Arjun, you did a, a video for us too, where the chargers should be allocating their off season resources. So what do you make of the defensive line comments uh, specifically, and how would you kind of like to see the chargers spend those resources up front?
3: Yeah. I mean, I thought you all, you guys made some really good points, especially about how you can't go into the season with, in this scheme with Justin Jones, before I talk about it, you know, I, I kind of wanted to, like, finish up on the, on the weekend stuff. If you haven't already, go to my Twitter, menon 100 and go scroll down a little bit. You'll see a graph of Joe Burrow's face <laughs> and Justin Herbert's face. Yeah. I found a way to, like, to create a value for the it factor, right? The swagger, the cigar smoking, comparing the two, right? Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, that, that we did some numbers. That was pretty funny to make, but it's it's kind of funny how that's, like, if Joe Burgos to the Super Bowl, I'm going to be, I'm not hating on him. It's just going to be, it's just going to like mess with my mind. Um, yeah. But yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think the defensive line, uh, Steely said he wants to be a line of scrimmage team. I think he means that he's kind of been true to his word just based on last off season from, you know, where we started to where we finished. I mean, I think the easy answers, Sebastian Joseph Day, Akeem Hicks, mm-hmm. you get the guys who've played in this two gap scheme. Like, I think the issue is, like, we we just had a bunch of guys for Gus Bradley's scheme to try to play Staley scheme. That's not going to work. Like, the, I think the Rams had, like, a seamless transition because they were going from Wade Phillips, who runs a 3-4, to Staley, who runs a 3-4 base, mm-hmm. and, like, who runs those 5-1 type packages. But, like, Gus Bradley doesn't do that. So, they're being asked to pick up a new technique. They're being asked to, like, you know, change the way they attack gaps. I think you know i I hated the fact that Staley was only bringing in his guys during free agency, but like all of us wanted John Johnson and Troy Hill last year at some point, even yeah. though Johnson was like a pipe dream so i I don't like in sebastian joseph day he's coming off his first contract you know he's pro- like he's probably gonna be a top of the line nose tackle um but i mean you have to you have to upgrade the position you know i i've been i've been a kind of sarcastically tweeting about how I want Jordan Davis at seventh or at yeah, <laughs> 17. Uh, you don't draft a nose tackle who only plays you know, first and second down in the first round. That's just bad allocation, allocation of resources. Staley's smarter than that. Um, and my last, my last thing, um, especially from Tom Telesco's takeaway, you know, number one, the, the reporters outside of Daniel Popper don't al- allow Telesco to like give any information because of the questions yes, they ask. Yes, very true right true. that's number one so we never really get any information not because you know they don't want to tell us it's because they're not like they don't have to tell us because no one's asking them but besides that i i thought a really interesting quote especially as a data guy was like uh, telesco talked about how he used data like how he likes to use data when evaluating prospects or, or free agent players like he said he folds all of that into his decision making i'm sure Steely wants that more especially since they had an analytics hire Right before the season started, and Alex Stern. Um, and I'm, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they hire one or two guys um, because of, you know, the big data bowl that just took place. Um, you know, there's going to be some winners. Someone's probably going to get hired in the offseason. Um, but I, I I really do think like Telesco might be turning a corner. And that's really important because he has sucked
2: at drafting um, in, you know, the last, or ever since he got hired. Yeah. I know that he's been really into, RAS scores specifically, in, at least in the early rounds, um, you know he, he's generally drafted in, in the early rounds players who are high RAS scoring, and then for whatever reason, the late rounds it's like, oh, here's Larry Roundtree and his four seven forty. It's a weird balance, but I, I thought that was an interesting point too. And you know, if he is you know analytically driven at this point or more so at least, I would be pretty surprised if they drafted a nose tackle in the first round. I know everybody wants Jordan Davis right now, it's unreal how many Jordan Davis or bus takes are out there in January. Um, and listen, man, if we head into the, if we head into draft weekend and nose tackle is still a problem on the roster, then we have bigger problems than just drafting a nose tackle. So yes. that, that's kind of my thing. Uh, you know, I've generally felt that the first round should be reserved for premium positions. And I think that also plays into this free agency class where you have a bunch of interior defensive line, quality interior defensive linemen available in free agency. And I know Deontay Lee from Pro Football Focus did an article recently about that, saying that interior defensive line was probably his like second or third best position group in terms of free agents. So the Chargers have a lot of money to spend. I don't know if they would sign both Joseph Day and an a- a- Akeem Hicks kind of player. But, you know, like Alex pointed out, you know, the the offensive line group last year, there was a very similar vibe, right? And Telesco last year was flat out said, like, we're not good enough. Like, we need to be better. We need to protect Justin Herbert better. And I got that same kind of vibe this year in terms of the defensive line. So I I know there's always like the old Telesco doesn't spend money takes, but I expect them to put their money where their mouth is in this free agency class and really revamp the defensive line. Uh, so, like Alex, I think that is kind of the big takeaway from Telesco's press conference.
1: Yeah, Telesco doesn't spend money except for the $20 million that he spent on Keenan Allen <laughs> and the $35 million that he spent on Joey Bosa and the $19 million that he's about to spend on Mike Williams. Uh, but that's beside the point. I did think there were a couple other interesting quotes he uh, I mean we talked about analytics and all that he did have a pretty full throated defense of Brandon Staley not that I really expected any different but he pretty much did uh, go on all the fourth down calls uh, and then someone asked him if he ever had a conversation with Brandon Staley about these fourth down calls, and he said straight up there was never any discussion. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Arjun said, I did think the questions were kind of whack in this one where it's like, you had five people ask him, Hey, do you think you suck at your job? And <laughs> Like they expect him to answer, you know, like, yeah. yes, actually, I think I do deserve to be fired. Um, like he's not going to answer that, but, um, yeah, uh, aside from that, my only real other takeaway was, um. I guess they're going to try to run the Kenneth Murray thing back at linebacker. Um, But, you know, I think that's very up in the air as of now. Um, But yeah, pretty much said that he still believes in him. And he does think that he is an inside linebacker as opposed to an edge rusher at the end of the day. So there at least is some definition to the position there. Uh, But that's really all I got from Telesco kind of going forward out of this press conference.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh quick shout out to Rich E uh, talking about uh, yak receivers. I think uh, yards after catch was a huge theme uh, this, this uh, weekend with Jamar Chase, Tyree Kill, of course, going nuclear, Michael uh, Hardman as well. And of course, Debo Samuel. So we'll definitely talk about some of that uh, later on, Rich, but uh, first we got to wrap up here with, Tom Telesco. So I'm glad that Alex pointed out the Kenneth Murray. I do think another big takeaway from Telesco's press conference is Uchenna Unwosu. Him and uh, Brandon Sladey really spoke rather highly of Chenna. I'd be pretty surprised at this point if he were not re signed. Um, you know, I, I think there's certainly an argument to be made that they need to upgrade the pass rusher opposite of Joey Bosa. But I think that Chenna really does have the best ball ahead of him. And, and he was really fantastic um, you know, in the back half of the season. So I think Chenna will be back. I think he can really get more comfortable in this scheme. And like I said, Staley and Telesco both spoke really highly of him. So really upgrading that third spot behind Unwosu and uh, Joey Bosa is probably the focus in terms of the pass rush, whether that's a free agent Maybe you get like a Jadavian, Jadavian Clowney kind of deal, like a one-year flyer on, on a veteran. Uh, Vaughn Miller's going crazy, so it seems like he's c- probably priced himself out. But I think that's a strategy. I think you could also target uh, you know, a second, third-round edge rusher to kind of supplement behind them as well. But uh, like I said, feels like Chenna's probably back. Uh, Arjun, do you know... I, I don't think that Brad Spielberger or the PFF rankings had his projected contract to you. What are you thinking uh, in terms of Nwosu's potential contract?
3: Um. Yeah. So I'm sure Brad's going to, you know, have a lot more articles on this going forward. Um, I mean, th- the thing about the NFL is like, it's so driven by recency bias and Nuosu, yeah. I mean, the chiefs game, that interception, you know, after the Kelly fumble, then he had probably one of the best games of his career against the Raiders, yeah. In you know in a, in a prime time game, like that's going to turn some heads, and that's probably going to get him more money than he should. I'm not saying he's a bad player, but I think it's a similar case with like Mike Williams. Also, like he had a you know one of the best games of his career. You know, most of it came late, but a lot of production in that Raiders game. So I mean, Novosu, like I I I don't I wouldn't want to pay more than like. 12 million for him and like I don't know maybe maybe he gets up to 14 15 like Dante Fowler got like two years 30 million dollars after playing next to Aaron Donald for two seasons <laughs> yeah that's um, true. like you just you never know and like edge is such a premium position Nuosu has experience in a 3-4 and 4-3 playing the Legion of Boom system and in the, in the Staley system which is probably going to be the the main system going forward um So, yeah, he could get up to 15 mil, but, I I mean, the way Telesco operates, I feel like he'd be a priority to bring back, especially with, you know, how many game-changing plays he had.
1: I mean, yeah, I think it's also just that he plays edge, and they don't really have guys that are, like, able to step into that role right now. Rumpf is not there. Uh, Fackrell, I mean, if you bring him back, like, he's a nice rotational piece, but you're not bringing in Fackrell to, you know, be opposite Joey Bosa for the whole season, so... Um, I think that he's probably first priority of the team outside Mike Williams at this point um,
2: and what they decide to do there. Yeah, I definitely would agree there. And it is, it is going to be interesting, right? Like his, his numbers just like overall in the season are pretty similar to, you know, Derek Barnett, Hassan Reddick and Hassan Reddick is obviously has more sacks. It's, it's a little, uh, little concerning there uh, that his pressure numbers aren't equal to that kind of sack production, but um you know his, his sack numbers are, are chenna's production overall are very similar to those kind of players so i could see him getting you know 13 14 million dollars to stick with the chargers maybe he gives them a little bit of a uh, hometown discount and and like everybody in the chat right now is 15 million hell no 12 million is too much like i mean he's <laughs> he's an edge rusher like he's he's a yeah. high-end number two edge rusher so I feel like that's just kind of the market that you have to pay. I mean, Arjun just pointed out Dante Fowler, two years, you know, thirty million dollars. And uh Dante is another one that you know and numbers are very similar to. So uh, that, like that was I said, before I mean,
3: inflation. That was
2: before yeah. like, the cap inflation. Yeah, I mean the cap is conti- is going to continue to go up and up and up. And I think that's a big reason why we're gonna see you know bigger contracts. But you know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen million dollars, I think is, is fair for Nwosu at this point. Um, Arjun, any other uh major takeaways from Tom Telesco's press conference?
3: Um yeah, I mean I didn't I I think like I think he really wants to keep Mike Williams. I think I think Mike is like 80% gonna get franchise tagged. I don't know if that means a long term deal. Um, and this is actually something I noticed, and I was talking with Brad about this um the other day. It's like if you look back to receivers that get franchise tagged. Since like 2013, outside of Des Bryan and Demaryius Thomas in like 2014, every receiver that's got fr- that's got a franchise tag has left the team the next year. Huh. And like, if you think about it, like Allen Robinson's probably going to leave in free agency. Someone's probably going to over like someone's probably going to backload Godwin's contract. I don't know if the of if the Bucks have the space to make it work, right? Like, you know, you tag a receiver that that probably means that probably tells the agent of the receiver that like, Hey, like we don't, we don't trust that you can keep up a high level of play long-term. So like as much as I want Williams for the long-term, I I do think they franchise tag him and like, but I I do think Telesco makes Williams his number one priority based on what he was saying in the press conference.
2: Yeah. I felt for a while that Mike Williams gets the franchise tag. Um, You know, I, I think he's, just he's beloved in that front office you know Staley was like getting emotional over talking about him um you know Telesco of course I think that's a big kind of legacy pick for him as well you know they drafted him seventh overall so I think they're going to want to give Mike Williams every opportunity to stay in Los Angeles and make plays and we'll talk about kind of what they can do around him but you know, there's a big conversation on Twitter. I personally would be shocked if Devontae Adams signs in Los Angeles, but he is a free agent who knows kind of what happens there. They, the Packers are, you know, $44 million dollars in cap space. I don't know if they have the kind of ability to uh, be able to re-sign Devontae if Aaron decides to stick around. So um, really outside of Devontae, that's the only free agents that I would like prefer over Mike Williams. I know Allen Robinson weirdly has – a lot of fans on Twitter. I'm not into that idea, but um, I felt for a while that Mike gets the ha, was going to get the franchise tag. And then he had the Raiders game. And, you know, I, like Arjun was saying, you know, recency bias is going to be real. Like if they do let Mike Williams hit the hit free agency, you know, that somebody like the Jaguars, the Texans, one of these bad teams is going to throw, you know, $20 million at them because they need a receiver for a young quarterback kind of situation. So, um, I like Mike Williams a lot. It looks like my internet cut off for a little bit, but um, you know, I, I think Mike Williams is, is going to be back on this team. Just a matter of if they work out a, an extension after tagging him. All right. Um, I know Telesco too also caught a lot of heat for like his we have to budget for the future comment. I didn't really have an issue with that. I think. You know, we're looking at all these teams who are negative 40, negative 70 million dollars in cap space. And uh, you know, I'm okay if a team decides to budget for the future a little bit. I like I said, I think Tom Telesco will spend his money. I think they'll improve the roster. So I'm not I'm not super concerned about that. And he did also have a quote where he said that, you know, they're not gonna look at the offense and say, Oh, it's a top five offense, like we're not gonna improve it, like we're gonna keep working on things. So I think Telesco has a sense of urgency about him, and I think part of that is Brandon State. I think part of that is Justin Herbert. Um You know, I think my stance on on Tom Telesco has been pretty clear, but, uh, you know, I think this will be an all in season for the Chargers and I expect them to use their money accordingly.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people made a big deal about the we reward our own and we're selective quote, but like, I mean, they haven't always done that. I mean, it depends really on the players. We just saw them let Hunter Henry walk to the Patriots last year and then make Corey Lindsley immediately the highest paid center in the league um so to yeah. to me there's not like a whole lot of consistency of oh well if, if we drafted this player in the first three rounds and they developed for us then we have to pay them like no they're not going to hold themselves to that and and hamstring themselves if they truly think there's a better option um like getting Corey Linsley in free agency last year and then figuring out tight end later or uh doing similar things this year right with some of the guys that are free agents so We'll see how it all plays out. But, um, yeah, that's, to me, just one of those things where you have to read between the lines and look at what Tom Telesco has actually done and then realize that in these press conferences, he's mostly a bullshit artist.
2: (laughs) Well, especially when he's getting the same question over and over again, just kind of worded differently. Um, So, you know, it's uh, tough to take away a ton, but, you know, we talked about it for 25 minutes, 20 minutes or so. Um, That being said, let's uh, dive into you know, the review of the wide receiver and tight end rooms. I want to specifically focus on the receivers first and foremost um, and, and get to um, the super chat question earlier. So I want to start with Keenan Allen specifically. Um, ended up uh, being second behind Mike Williams in in uh, receiving yards and touchdowns. Had his usual six receiving touchdowns with 106 catches on 150 targets. So Arjun, we'll start with you. Um, what are your thoughts on how you would kind of look at Keenan Allen's season as a whole?
3: Um, I I think it, I think honestly, I was kind of disappointed. I'm not going to lie. Like, I think (laughs) I had a lot of expectations for him. I didn't expect the drops. Like he's been really consistent. And I think like, I think, we saw the high-end catches that he can make. Like some of the catches he was making, like the Washington game and the Bengals game, like those were like some really good catches, but he he these like weird just drops right over the middle. Um, and like, I think that was just an issue. The, the good thing is like drops aren't stable year to year. He'll probably regress down to like four or five drops maybe. Um, I don't see that being too much of an issue next year. I think the biggest issue for me is like, I just felt like at times, in the biggest of stages, he wasn't producing. Like, how does he only get eight targets versus the Raiders? And I don't know if part of that is the game plan, offensive game plan and defensive game plan. You know, the Chiefs game, I don't, like, did he even do anything? Like, I felt like some some of the games down the stretch, he just wasn't producing. And that's an issue. I mean, he went over a 1,000 yards, had, you know, his usual 100 catches. That's great and all, but I think – for the expectations i had for him i think it was a little bit of a letdown um and i'm hoping it's not something where he he kind of like he's peaked and he's kind of going on that like little bit of a downward slope but i think he'll be fine next year um definitely definitely still the wide receiver one
2: uh really quickly before alex jumps in here so he had uh, six catches for 52 yards against the raiders he on seven targets uh, against the Denver Broncos in Week Seventeen, he had uh, four catches on nine targets for forty-four yards and a touchdown. Um, then the Houston game, four catches, thirty-five yards. Yeah, and that then was against a... the Chiefs, he had six for seventy-eight and one touchdown. Yeah, the Houston game was a weird one.
3: I don't know how he only got four catches, especially like especially against the corners they were putting out. That was just like what the hell.
1: Yeah. Um... I think if you look at Keenan Allen's year, like the drops, I'm not terribly concerned about because, I mean, there's not a whole lot of translation from that from year to year. Um, I think everyone kind of gets more used to playing with Justin Herbert anyway. I I don't think that we should expect those drops to continue next year. If they do, then that's a problem. Um, yeah, I think it's like Arjun said, there were a lot of moments where he just sort of disappeared in some pretty big games. Um, the the Raiders game being obviously the most recent and, and fresh one in our minds. Yeah. Um, I'm going to point out a stat that I think is interesting regarding yards per route run. Uh, if you look at Keenan Allen in 2021, uh, Keenan Allen was seventh in the league, or sorry, in 2020, Keenan Allen was seventh in the league behind DeAndre Hopkins, uh, with he was 35th in yards per route run this year uh -hmm. with 1.93 uh so i don't think that's a great stat going forward of course that you know depends on a litany of other factors but they sort of just were using him in like a little bit more of a uh, underneath capacity like obviously we've talked about that the yards per attempt have sort of like Been coming down air yards to Keenan Allen since Justin Herbert uh, took over in 2020. But um, I didn't think he was as crisp of a route runner as he's been some previous seasons. I think there was a little bit of age shown there. Um, I don't think we're getting anywhere close to a cliff. And I think Keenan Allen's going to be able to produce as a wide receiver one uh, slash two, depending on what they do with Mike Williams, for a pretty long time. Uh, I mean, he has three years left in his deal. And I think he'll be able to you know, produce some more thousand yard seasons barring, you know, some unforeseen injuries. But um, I I did think 2021 was a little bit of a dip for him, uh, particularly over the back half of the season. Um, And so we'll see what that's like going forward. Of course, I think Keenan Allen also kind of gets filed into that group of players that uh, he did have COVID this year, right? Yeah,
2: he did. Yeah. Um, He only missed the one game though, I think.
1: Yeah, he only missed the one game. But, I mean, we we have talked about those players that have, like, come back and were, you know, generally a little bit less effective or just looked less athletic on the field. So, you know, a a lot of that is speculation from player to player. But it did feel like that's something that could contribute to being 35th in yards per route run, right? So, um, uh, you know, I I think it's – if we're trying to, like, grade Keenan Allen's season, eh, I'd give it a B based on where the expectations were, BB+. I thought he was still solid, but um,
2: definitely a little bit of a dip in some key areas. Yeah, I think the, the usage of Keenan Allen was kind of exciting at moments. And then also, like, what are we doing here? Because I really liked watching him be able to run deep routes more often. And I feel like he was doing that. You know, they used him on deep overs and corners. I feel like a lot more than the previous regime did. But then also, he was like the yards after catch screen receiver, too. Uh, you know on those on a bunch of the RPO stuff he was always like the flat leak route and so I was a little annoyed and frustrated with the way that they used him in that regard Um I would love for him to or them to use uh, somebody that's a little faster a little more dynamic in that kind of role um, whether that be you know Jalen Guyton on Roberts I've, I was saying that like all season long to get Roberts you know some opportunities at least on offense and Uh, It was like, no, we're just going to keep running the RPOs to Keenan Allen and the flat routes and all this stuff. So um, I was uh, definitely concerned about the drops. I do think that will be, like Arjun said, and and Tyler or Alex, I'm sorry, uh, (laughs) regress a little bit to the mean. Um, I do not expect him to have nine drops next season, but um, I I was fine with his season. I wasn't like super excited. It wasn't like disappointed. I think he is what he is at this point in his career. I think he's going to be reliable. He was still one of the top five uh, receivers in third-down conversion, so we know that Justin Herbert loves him uh, across the middle in that regard. So I guess my question here, kind of pivoting to Mike Williams then, if Mike Williams is back next season, is he the clear-cut wide receiver one? I mean, I feel like we had that conversation after, like, the Chiefs game, and then it kind of went back to Keenan, and then it kind of went back to Mike Williams – so, Alex, what do you kind of make of that dynamic next season, uh, if Mike Williams is back? And then, of course, you know your thoughts on Williams' season overall.
1: Yeah, I I think at this point they would have to be viewed as co-wide receiver one, two, still. Um, I mean, they you know Mike Williams did finish as the highest in yards, but it was by like what ten yards? <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't by a whole lot, right? Uh, in terms really? of how he finished, right? Um, so. I still think you have to view them as pretty much co-lead wide receivers. Could that change? Obviously, I I do think as you get Keenan Allen aging and Mike Williams still kind of in his prime, so to speak, uh, four or five years younger, then, I mean, yeah, sure, there's always going to be the possibility that one is going to dip and then Mike Williams is kind of going to become the wide receiver one. But this is also stuff that we were saying in like week four, week five of this season, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, when, you know, he was the X receiver and he sort of did become wide receiver one, right? Um, and then had a couple games where he disappeared. And then it was sort of like on and off again from there. Uh, so I, I do think schematically in terms of what they see in him as the X receiver, as that sort of Michael Thomas kind of dude that Joe Lombardi envisioned him as, then I do think he is technically wide receiver one, but I also think that'll kind of depend on the game, depend on the matchups and also depend on how Keenan Allen is playing at any given time. But I, I don't think it's really a decisive wide receiver one, two either way. Um, As far as the season, I mean, I I think, uh, Michael Williams improved. Uh, I, I think that we sort of asked him to be a, generally better route runner and like, Hey, run a couple slants here and there. Um, Not that any of us were expecting him to be Michael Thomas, except Joe Lombardi. Uh, But we we sort of did get him to a place where he showed more and wasn't just, you know, jump all Mike, right. He did show more on some of those uh, complex routes. So he did grow his route tree from where it was. uh, And that's sort of what we were asking him to do this year. So for me, Mike Williams is by no means a perfect receiver and there, there right. are going to be things that he does on the field that irritate you like you know when he jumps into you know an injury that he probably could have avoided or stuff like that but for the most part uh, I, I do think Mike Williams got better uh, in 2021 and is probably if we're grading wide receiver seasons was probably the best receiver this year
3: um yeah i i think i agree with most of the points alex said i think he did improve i think like i think we need to like chill on like the whole Devonte adams stuff like you know the green i understand green bay doesn't have cap space but like what connection does Devonte have with la right like like i know okay the lindsley belaga thing is they play on the offensive line so like obviously they're going to be closer than what Devonte and belaga Devontae and lindsley are going to be like the the raiders for example i created like you know, I created the, the my off-season composite score taking like draft capital and salary cap space. Like the Raiders showed up pretty highly there, and like Devonte played with Derek Carr in Fresno State. Like that's a connection we should be worried yeah. about. Like I, I want Devonte to stay in Green Bay, just stay, like stay away from the AFC, because he's probably not going to come to us. But that being said, you know, switching to Mike Williams, I think I think he's still probably numbered wide receiver number two. Uh, I. I thought I think he's just too inconsistent to be a wide receiver one like there's some games he's it feels like he's super involved some games where he's like he's not it's not like, it's not like he's getting locked down but he's not getting any targets he's not really every time they throw to him it's he's you know not separating um I'm actually going to bring up a stat that I created I called it uh, drops over expected um I wrote an article for PFF about this which is like how how often do receivers drop the ball given their separation, given the quarterback accuracy and things like that. So this was like really, really, this really pissed me off, but like there are four chargers in the top 23 that dropped the ball more than expected. Right. So you have Jared Cook at seven, you have Austin Eckler at 13 you had Keenan Allen at eighteen, and then you, and then you have Mike Williams at twenty-three. So, like, you have a you have these four dudes who just drop the ball way more than they're expected to, or not way more, but like, you know, more than they're expected to. And Mike Williams falls into that category. Like, we had he had some bad drops. You know, I, I felt I did feel really bad for him watching the All In one where he tried yeah. to make the one hander. He was just like, you know, the head, and you could tell he cares. Like, that's the thing. I like I've never seen Mike show emotion a lot. Like he's one of those like stone cold killers. Like he'll, you know, he doesn't doesn't really get excited or anything. But I did feel like he felt really bad for dropping that catch. And but like when Mike's on, I think he's he's better than he has more upside than Keenan Allen, especially you know given his frame and um, you know what he can do when the ball's in the air. But I don't I don't see how he passes up Keenan Allen unless like unless he really takes command of the targets in this offense. Otherwise, I do think it's Keenan Allen one, uh, wide receiver one, Mike Williams wide receiver two.
2: Yeah, I mean, in terms of the pecking order, like Allen had 150 targets, Williams had 120, 122. So Keenan's going to be more heavily targeted, right? Like he is, you know, that over over the middle intermediate option that Justin Herbert relies upon. So I think in terms of targets, like if that's how you determine Who's one and two? Like Keenan's going to have more targets than Mike Williams, but you know I think Williams does have that other gear to get to, and I think some of that is usage and some of that is realizing the playmaker that he had that the Chargers have in him. Like we were all so frustrated at the way that he was used uh, during the Raiders, the first Raiders game, you know when he had one catch for eleven yards and they had all these backup corners trying to cover him, and he was getting open, and Herbert would either just not look his way or miss him or the kb and then of course in the second raider game he explodes for nine for 119 and one um so i definitely understand the consistency issues there you know when he does have a bad game he really does have a bad game you know 19 yards against the patriots uh 39 against the the broncos the first time around so i definitely understand the inconsistencies but i like the way that they used him this year I like them giving him a little bit more opportunities for yards after the catch. I like that it wasn't just a ton of jump balls like the the old offense. So I, I think Williams does have some more upside. I know that there were a lot of people on Twitter talking about like, well, is this the best we're going to have in Mike Williams? And I could see a scenario next year where, you know, granted, if he stays healthy, if, uh, where he does get over 1,200 yards, maybe creeps up to 1,300. So I don't think we've necessarily seen the best of Mike Williams. And it feels like, the relationship he has with Justin Herbert is continually getting better and improving. You know, uh, someone pointed out in the chat earlier, this was the first year in the offense. So Lombardi is going to continue to learn more about how to use his playmakers the right way and how to use Justin Herbert the right way. Um, and so I think that Williams does have another year to get to. The drops were definitely frustrating. There were a couple instances where just like after the catch, where like the awareness wasn't like, what I wanted to, I think it was like the Broncos game where he had that yard where he had that big catch and run and then like took such a bad angle and like rounded it out and then went out of bounds and he could have had easily like another 20 yards after that. So, you know, there, there's definitely some frustration there and I get it, but I think the usage will continue to go up. I think Williams will continue to get better Um, and, and I'm okay with him. And in terms of the Devante stuff, like he's from the Bay area. So yeah, he's from California, but he he was born in a place that was like nine hours away from Los Angeles. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see what the Packers do there. You know, typically they don't give out third contracts, but Devonte is pretty clearly one of the best players in franchise history there. And, and again, that's really going to depend on what Aaron Rodgers does. If he wants to retire, if he wants to get traded. Um, but I think if Devonte hits free agency, I probably think he's going to the Raiders to reunite with Derek Carr. They have the cap space there. He will be number one. Um, but, yeah, so I'm I'm in favor of keeping Mike Williams, like I said. And I think Tom Telesco will be as well.
1: Hot take. He doesn't go to the Raiders to reunite with Derek Carr. He goes to the Raiders to reunite with Aaron Rodgers. No. <laughs> <laughs> my pants. Uh, maybe, I'm telling you, it scares me. Um, but, I, yeah, I um... – The Devontae Adams stuff. Well, first of all, half of y'all on Twitter can't even spell his name right. So uh, (laughs) I'm not going to justify this conversation. (laughs) And also, I mean, people keep saying Green Bay's 44 million over in cap space, but haven't the Saints been like 100 million over and they just re signed Marshawn Lattimore to a 20 million dollar deal through whatever they do with Taysom Hill money laundering NFT contracts? I don't know what exactly they're (laughs) doing with him, but uh, NFT contracts that's That's a good one. Um, but, you know, so just because they're over the cap doesn't mean that they can't necessarily right, bring him back. Right. It's just a matter of whether or not they'll want to, depending on what happens with Rodgers. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think the the problem with really letting Mike Williams hit free agency and then trying to go get a Devontae Adams or if you try to go get any of these wide receivers that are out there is like there's a possibility he walks. And then you're left with Keenan Allen uh, and Josh Palmer as your wide receiver, too, if you don't sign anyone. Right. So if you strike out on Mike Williams and you strike out on uh, Devontae Adams, kind of boned. And then you're potentially looking to the draft and you're like, okay, well, you know, you can go get a Jameson Williams or you can go get a Drake London if you want to in round one. But then that's a pick that you're not using on a quarterback or some of those premium positions that Steven talks about. Um, And I certainly don't think either of those receivers is Jamar Chase. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's just a tough to replace mike williams i get that people want a yak guy but i think there are better solutions that you could probably do from wide receivers three to five uh such as not start the year with kj hill on the roster um, <laughs> we could we could try that next year in terms of yak uh but I, yeah i just think they're gonna resign mike williams and i think you put yourself in a tough position without mike williams anyway because then you really kind of threw your draft into turmoil and then you kind of are left scrambling. So I get why people don't think Mike Williams is the perfect receiver. I think Tyler, who's not on this podcast is probably the most negative on on him out of us. Uh, But I I do think you just put yourself in a
2: dangerous position. If you don't franchise tag, or if you don't extend him. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where I'm at too. You know, (laughs) super LT points out we should sign Gabriel Davis, man, what a game today you know completely uh, broke out of his shell but uh i think he's gabriel davis
1: should pay whatever his next contract is about five percent of that got to go to tyron matthew for leaving the game
2: (laughs) (laughs) very true very true but now i'm in a similar boat because they're like you we we see this all the time with with other teams right like you you know you let somebody walk you have a you have a target in mind and then you don't get that target and then you have to scramble And that's just not really a scenario that I think Tom Telesco would put himself into. Um, So, you know, we'll have to see how that one pans out. In terms of the receivers after Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, you know, obviously you have Jalen Guyton and Josh Palmer both kind of splitting that role. Um, Jalen Guyton ended up actually putting up very similar numbers to the numbers that he had in 2020. They're almost identical. Uh, His yards per reception was obviously a little bit lower because they used him a little bit uh, down in that regard. So Arjun, um, I think Jalen Guyton is a restricted free agent, obviously Josh Palmer, a rookie. What are you kind of expecting? Uh, and this is kind of where we can kind of transition to how we want to improve this unit, but what are you expecting behind Keenan Allen and Mike Williams going forward for this team? Um,
3: I, I think, um, I don't think they let Jalen Guyton walk. I think like you have literally zero speed on the roster yes. if that happens um and you know i'm i'm not really in favor of like take like i haven't i'm not a film grinder like you guys so i i i can't like fall in love with like jameson williams um even though like i i did say it'd be super fun for him to be on the chargers yeah um but but like i mean i think guided did okay like really the only two deep balls i remember off the top of my head was the Bengals 50 50 where he made a great play on the ball and then the giants insane herbert throw so like it's not like his 2020 role translated well to this year. He was running a lot more curls, a lot more outs, a lot more digs. Um, I think they were using him in like a traditional wide receiver role, which, you know, may or may not have fit him. Um, And and for Palmer, I mean, I'll I'll be honest, like Palmer didn't show up too well in our PFF charting data. Like I put out a graph, you know, during like week 15 or 16, where it's like, Josh Palmer was in the bottom five in separating against man coverage a- among all players. And that's obviously not something you want to see. Keenan Allen's in the top five. Josh Palmer's in the bottom five. You know, everyone, I think the media and like the reporters overhype the idea of like mentorship or whatever. You know, I, I think it's shown itself sometimes like Melvin Ingram's sure. mentorship on like, Joey Bosa and Alex Highsmith, and teaching him and teaching them how to do that spin move on a tackle. I've seen that, but like, you know, Josh Palmer wasn't really getting that much separation. I did think he had a pretty decent game against the Raiders. Showed up pretty, um, you know, played pretty well at the end. But I I do have a solution to our yak problem and our running back two problem, and that's simply signing Cordell Cordero Patterson to fill both those roles. You fill the yak roll, and you know, when Austin Eckler comes off the field, you just move Patterson to running back, and then we have you know, to kill two birds with one stone, and you probably get him get him for pretty cheap given his age and everything.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I think Cordero Patterson, I haven't really been thinking about it because the discourse on Twitter recently has been, How do you get a Debo? Um, but <laughs>
3: <It's> <laughs>
2: like everybody awesome. wants a Debo, but it's Every, like, and
1: Tyree, like,
2: very how, how do you expect,
3: yeah. How do you expect Jamison Williams to be Tyreek like you saw what Tyreek did that 70 yard <laughs> touchdown like that no one Crazy. no draft prospect no. is ever going to do that like how are you compare Henry Ruggs to Tyreek Henry Ruggs does not have the short field quickness Waddle was thought to be a similar to Tyreek but like Waddle was being used like Jarvis Landry in Miami <laughs> yeah like it's just you can't you're not going to find a Tyreek or a Diva.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I I think it's foolish to, you know, build your wide receiver room as, as though that's going to happen either. Um so, you know, I think going after Cordero Patterson or some of those established yak guys that, you know, can maybe even guys like uh Cordero that can play wide back, um, you know, as Dubo calls it, I think yeah. that would be kind of interesting. Um I I think for me, it's less specific players that I you can plug and chug. I mean, I think Jalen Guyton and Josh Palmer are fine. But the bigger problem for me is that they only carry five wide receivers. Yeah. Uh, even after. And one of those guys is either Hill, who they started the season with, or Roberts, who they don't integrate into the offense, really. I mean, like, aside from play here, or there. You're right. So you're running with four wide receivers, uh, in terms of Keenan, Mike, uh, Palmer, and Gaiden, three of whom are fairly slow. And then Gaiden is pretty fast, obviously can burn a defense deep, um, but not necessarily super fast in the intermediate range in terms of like just being able to be like a super complete route runner. So for me, it's less, you know, the six or wide receivers you have more than like, I would like to see Andre Roberts get involved a little bit more if you're going to have him there. And then, honestly, I'd rather have six receivers than four running backs, right? Like, it, it just get another guy that you feel like can develop and fill some of that yak role. Don't really care who it is. It can be someone in the draft. It can be someone that you've got get in as a depth and free agency. But I, I feel like the wide receiver problem this year in terms of yak was – Magnified by A, having Keenan and Mike as your top two receivers, but for me it was more how it was built around them and the fact that they only had two receivers behind them at all times because they can't really use Roberts or uh earlier in the season KJ Hill um in their offense. So I think if you're only running with four wide receivers, you're gonna have problems.
2: Yeah, that that was a big issue for me as well. You know, you have four running backs you have four tight ends and one fullback that you don't use so the the roster management in terms of the skill players is definitely something that I I need to see improved next year and you know I don't necessarily think that the Chargers need like another Debo or a Cordero Patterson although I would be a little annoyed if they signed Cordero this year as opposed to last year when they could have got him literally for pennies on the dollar um, but you know we'll have to see what what happens in with that specific position. I, I just want more speed, man. Like I think heading into next year with Jalen Guyton as your only legitimate speed option on the roster, it you know creates a problem. Of course, you're gonna have him in a little bit more of a well-rounded role, which we figured was gonna happen this year. Um, but you know when you have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Josh Palmer definitely on the roster, like you need another legitimate speed option, and so. If that player is also a creative yards after catch player, fantastic. Um, everybody, as Jack H. points out, you know, Traylon Burks would solve all the issues. I haven't personally watched him yet. He's got a lot of hype right now. Daniel Jeremiah I had him going as wide receiver one in his mock draft. So I'd be a little surprised if he's uh, taken. And again, that's probably a first round pick. I'm not really into that idea right now um al points out David and joku as an option. we can talk about tight ends in a minute, but I, I think this team does need another element uh of dynamic play, whether that's a receiver, a running back, a tight end. I don't really care like I just think they need more juice on offense to have those opportunities for yards after the catch because outside of Mike Williams, that was and Austin Eckler those were the only two guys that were really consistently getting yards after catch and and taking advantage of those opportunities. All right, so uh, let's pivot to some tight ends. I think you know, we can talk about Jared Cook for sure. Obviously, he was the most productive tight end. And it is really interesting because a lot of people were very hot and bothered last year when the Chargers did not decide to bring back Hunter Henry. They ended up going with Jared Cook. And outside of the drops and the touchdowns, the two were very similar in terms of production, in terms of targets, catches, yards. Obviously, Hunter Henry had more touchdowns. Jared Cook had more drops. So, Arjun, what do you make of uh, this this tight end room and specifically Jared Cook's season this year?
3: Yeah, I mean, like, obviously, the drops are just killer. I mean, we probably win that Chiefs yeah. game if he doesn't drop that that pass on the goal line before halftime. It, it, like, the, the problem with Jared Cook is, like, people are only going to remember the negatives he had while forgetting that, like against the Raiders twice, where we needed him, he showed up. Like he had two of the biggest games of the year against the Raiders, where like they've struggled against tight ends, and he he showed that. Like he showed why they struggled against tight ends. I guess like the like you're at at this point last year, like we were paying whoever was going to be the tight end to be target number four behind Eckler, Williams, and Allen. So right. like I'm a I'm fine not paying Henry. 12.5 million to be target number four and like cook's numbers are fine like the drops obviously like they're killer but i mean his production was was as as where it needed to be for a target number four plus like you know the chargers were rotating guyden and palmer like it wasn't cook was wasn't always the first option and like there were times where he was the main guy on on the rpo looks um you know it was so unfortunate how like the rpo they ran against the raiders i forget if, if it was like yeah, it was the first play of, of overtime where he – it was the uh, illegal oh, – No, where man he did, like, the wheel route? Yeah, like, he, he fits in well then. He's super athletic. Yeah. I just, like, they could bring him back. I, I I would understand why, but it's it's just, like, I feel like people are just going to, like, go berserk if, if we bring him back over, like, a younger type of him, like an ajoku, who I, I'm kind of high on.
1: Yeah, I I think the Jared Cook discussion. I mean, it is probably a little bit different if the illegal man downfield doesn't get called and the Chargers beat the Raiders. Um, you know, for right. example, then I think we're talking a little bit more about the game Jared Cook had against the Raiders. Um, for me, the the big problem is the drops, and that's not a Keenan Allen thing where it's like, oh, that's a weird aberration. It's like oh, that's been pretty consistently who he is. <laughs> um, unfortunately, not not always the most sure-handed receiver. And so I think that's a problem. If you're asking him to be tight end one, if you're asking him to be tight end two or three, I guess it wouldn't matter as much, but he also doesn't have much utility as like a tight end two or three because he doesn't block very well. So that's yeah. kind of the problem with building it out for me. It's, it was never, I guess that they didn't re-sign Hunter Henry. Uh, although I guess I get why people are mad at that. I think Hunter Henry and, uh, Jared Cook, by the end of it, were pretty like even, like we've demonstrated statistically. It's just that Jared Cook had more drops. For me, yeah. it was just, I guess, the alternative because, like, I mean, they probably could have gotten to Zach Ertz last year, and Zach Ertz was pretty good this year. So, I mean, I, I kind of would have liked to have seen him in this offense as a tight end one if they wanted to pursue that route because we were sort of talking about him and that Jared Cook caliber of guys last offseason that maybe the Chargers could have made a move for um but other than that there's not a ton to really inspire in free agency this year when it comes to the tight ends i I think at this point um i think they're probably just gonna maybe move forward with Anderson McKitty um, you know the the big wrench that got thrown into this in my opinion is the Donald Parham injury because I feel like that is a situation where Donald Parham probably could have been tight end one or at the very least tight end two heading into last uh, heading into next season but now that his status is up in the air um, I feel like that's really what's kind of thrown this unit out of whack. They were using Trey mckinney more a lot, of course, in those last four games because of the the Parham uh, injury that happened, unfortunately. So maybe they go forward with that and he can be tight end one or two. But I still think you probably should move on from Jared Cook. But I do think you also have to probably find another tight end one. I don't think you can just promote a guy on the roster this year. Ooh. anyway, uh, you could probably promote a guy um to being a tight end two, but i I just don't think they have a tight end one on the roster right now inside of Jared Cook and Jared Cook has his own
2: problems, yeah, you know Jared Cook, I think you know uh, again with the recently buy thing, you know how different do we think of his season if he has that catch if they don't the chargers don't call that or if the referees don't call that penalty on the chargers and he has hundred and twenty yards receiving or whatever in the final game so. I, there are definitely issues with Jared Cook, right? I think the drops are always going to be there. I think maybe that comes down a little bit, but that was that's always been a problem of his. Um, I forget who it was, but somebody you know has issues with you know his route running and his mental lapses. Again, that unfortunately has been a, a reputation of his for quite some time. Um, and of course, it's unfortunate because two of those resulted in in pick sixes. So. Um, I think Jared Cook is fine. If they wanted to bring him back, I wouldn't like hate it, but um, you know, Tyler wants them to sign David Njoku. Sounds like Arjun's pretty high on that as well. Um, a couple people mentioning OJ Howard. If they wanted to get younger, I would not be opposed at all. I think, like Alex said, the Donald Parham injury is a little bit right now, makes makes things a little bit uncertain. Um, he's posting on Instagram uh, as if he's gonna get a 10 day contract in the NBA. So maybe he's doing well. I don't really know. Um, but I think that this team has clear types of tight ends that they want to use. And specifically, you know, you talk about yards after catch like that to me, feels like a common theme with all of the chargers tight ends from last year. Um, Whether it be Trey McKitty, Steven Anderson, Donald Parham, Jared cook. So, um, you know, maybe that's kind of their, their thing there, but if they wanted to bring cook back, I'm cool with it. But my issue here again is the, roster construction where you have Gabe neighbors just like chilling all year on the active roster. And then Steven Anderson is playing in his role as a fullback slash H back slash tight end hybrid. So that needs to be worked out. Of course, Steven Anderson is a free agent as well. I do want him back because I think he earned that. Um, but I, I tend to agree with Alex. I'd be a little surprised if they headed in with just the, this young group and not adding somebody else. Whether that be a, a lower tier free agent or potentially adding another rookie through the draft, but I think they will at least add somebody to this room to uh bring in some competition.
1: Yeah, I think you could just add bodies to the room. I'm certainly not opposed to a Dave Njoku or an OJ Howard if they want to go in that direction. I guess my thing though is like OJ Howard sort of works better when he's in that tight end like room in Tampa Bay, right? Like I, I don't think he's gonna super work well as like your tight end one so he's definitely not a tight end one right so if it's it's sort of a tight end by committee group that they want to do here I'm certainly not against it and Joku is probably more the guy that I feel like could be your tight end one in terms of the you know receiving production but even when it comes to Njoku I mean the Cleveland Browns did kind of like sign Austin Hooper and like you know sort of have that weird dynamic going on where they thought for a period of time that Njoku couldn't be tight end one so I don't know there there's a lot of questions to be answered there but I do think the most important piece of the puzzle to solving the tight end room in the off season is a what they do with Jared Cook but b I mean I you could probably put it as point a because it's more important um it's all about what happens with Donald Parham I think
2: yeah, and I think Trey McKitty's development is is right there after that. Obviously, they took things really slowly um, You know, early on in the season, had him inactive a bunch of times, much to uh, Tyler Chagrin, giving him two X factors and then being inactive those weeks. But you know, I'm, I'm curious to see what they do with him as a receiver because I thought that he really came on down the stretch as a blocker. Um, and, of course, you need that true F tight end blocking kind of tight end um you know we saw mercedes lewis unfortunately have the one really bad play as a receiver but as a blocker that man was fantastic and i think Nikiti can be that kind of player um but i'm i'm curious to see if they do expand his workload a little bit because really that was like my initial thought process in potentially drafting him or potentially pegging him as a dark horse was his work at the senior bowl as a receiver where he was just absolutely cooking dude so uh, I think Parm's health, definitely a big question mark. And I think Trey McKitty's development is definitely something to keep an eye on uh, through this next throughout this upcoming offseason.
3: Yeah, I, I think the last thing to add to that, at least from my standpoint, is like, I actually think this is like a really intriguing free agency class for tight ends. You got like okay. a bunch of dudes who like, for coming off their first contract, like never really lived up to what they were drafted for. But like, you know, they could be good in a different situation. Like I'll throw out some names like OJ Howard, everyone knows Hayden Hurst, you know, kind of drafted a little bit on the older side. You know, didn't really pan out in Baltimore because of Mark Andrews. Had a decent year last year, but then they drafted Kyle Pitts. Kind of <laughs> athletic, you know, Evan Engram's pretty athletic, tested really well at the combine. Uh, you know, everyone knows Njoku. Joku. Max Williams was having a pretty decent year, if I remember correctly, before, I think he tore his ACL and then they traded for Ertz. And then Dalton Schultz, I mean, like, he's really, he really stepped up this year. And, like, I was impressed by how well he played. Um, I think someone's probably going to throw the bag at him. You know, maybe, yeah. like, Jacksonville, who are starting, like, Dan Arnold and, like, James O'Shaughnessy. I guess <laughs> Like, they'll probably throw the so bag bad. at him at some point. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's, like, a lot of really interesting options in, in a free agency. Obviously, the Chargers have three names right now. Even though Parm and Anderson are are Parm's exclusive rights, and then Anderson's an under unrestricted free agent, but I do think the Chargers need to like at least resign one or two of their guys before they hit free agency, and then if they if they decide not to go get Cook or bring Cook back, then you bring in one of the, one of these like guys who, who are coming with their first contract and you know see how they fit in the system, and I think it should be an athletic guy who kind of just fits cook's profile
2: yeah i think that's fair and tyler and i have been working on the composite rankings for pending free agents um and you know he did his a separate tight end video uh, last week so uh if you missed that please go check that out and then uh he's saying in the chat right now uh with added blocking grades and joku one schultz two tanyan three, Oh, lost it uh, cook was eight kasiki nine Howard, 10. Am I reading that correctly? Um, but you know, it is, I know a lot of people are saying like throw a bag at Mike my- Kasiki. I'm, I'm not into that idea. I think, you know, you, you can better <laughs> spend that money elsewhere. And I, I just don't know if he fit, like I don't think he fits what the charters want at this position. Like Arjun was just saying, I think they want, you know, a bigger body, more athletic and move in space. So if they do go on free agency, you know, who knows if any of these guys hit free agency, right. But I think in Howard probably fit more of what they're looking for in a replacement for Jared cook. If they decide to uh, move on and, and Evan Ingram, I would throw in that Kosicki range as well. I think he is athletic, but he's not like that big body. I feel like he's more of a route runner, basically a big slot receiver. And as Zach Whitaker points out, you know, he also has uh drop issues. So um, like I said, I feel like if they are going to go in a different direction through Cook, uh, it is going to be a similar archetype, bigger body, athletic, can move. And listen, if they add in Nj- in Njoku, you know, he's a really good blocker and has become a really good blocker too. So then you have him, Parham, McKitty, all really good blockers, all big bodies, all athletic. And I think that tight end room uh, would be very, very nice going forward. Cool. All right. Uh, Arjun, really quickly, um, did Brad include a raw, uh, contract prediction for Njoko in his in his rankings? Do you know?
3: Um, I do not. I I, I doubt he showed up pretty highly in like our free agent rankings because he's been like tight end two, even sometimes three um, for the Browns. But right, yeah, I mean, I'm, now, I'm yeah, yeah I'm, I'm looking right now. Uh...
1: I don't know if he was mentioned but um, I think Gerald Everett is probably another name that could be in there as sort of like a stopgap kind of option not quite as you know poorly shorthanded handed uh, as Jared Cook sometimes <laughs> yeah. and you know is sort of in the same vein of receiving guy that isn't much of a blocker so I mean you could probably blend that in and do a replacement if you did Wanna go a little bit younger than Jared Cook, but we'll see.
2: Oh man, uh Pro Football Focus has David and predicted contract at three years, twelve point five million dollars yeah, per. I
3: don't I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. I, I just talked about I don't want I
2: don't I don't want to pay twelve mil for the
3: fourth. Wait, target. twelve point 5, yeah, yeah, five per?
2: Yeah, Twelve point five per, yeah. It's, so seven, a, it's, it's a three, three year thirty seven point five million dollar total contract, according to yeah uh the pff free agent rankings again that's a prediction a projection it's not necessarily like a guarantee but uh um, i mean he's yeah. yeah
3: he's graded out pretty decently like you know obviously grades aren't the end all be all oh, let me I'll, I'll shoot a message to brad tomorrow I mean, that, that seems kind of high especially yeah. since everyone like above and below him are kind of below that number uh yeah. but yeah let me let
2: me talk to him that that doesn't really seem right um Alex, you know, brought up Jared Everett. He's at three uh for twenty-two point five, which is seven point five per. Um I don't even I don't even know if he had like a fantastic year or anything like that, but
1: um, he did okay. I think he had like five hundred receiving yards, yeah. something like that. Um, you know, but I, I sort of meant that it's not like, oh man, this guy's gonna be your injoku who's gonna get like right. eighty right. yard plays or something. But yeah, you know, could be if you wanted to move on from Jared Cook this year probably a little bit better of an option at this point
2: a little bit younger about the same cost but yeah and of course there is uh i imagine some coaching overlap since he was on the rams last year um arjun also brought up max williams he's at three years 18.75 million dollar contract which is 6.25 per um again then these are predictions uh Ali cox is a free agent i didn't know that but uh he's at three Mm -hmm. for 21 former uh we don't we don't need him
3: though he's He's yeah, he's he's like the same as Paro, the the basketball
2: dudes. Yeah. Hey, uh, did you guys know that Antonio Gates played basketball in, in college?
1: Wasn't aware. Thank you for
2: informing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. Uh, uh. Yeah, I'm excited to see what they do there. I, I'm. I guess Arjun has talked me into not hating Jared Cook being back, so you know we'll see what happens there. But, um, Alex, Arjun, any final thoughts on the tight end before we wrap up today's show?
3: Um, I mean, yeah, for me, it's, like, it's not that much of a, like, I I wouldn't be, like, too worried if you don't, like, really, like, invest resources into it, given that, like, they'll probably be the fourth or fifth option in the passing game. Um, Obviously, like, I'd rather them wisely spend their money than throw a bag at, you know, Njoku. Like, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable paying a tight end over 10 mil if they're being, you know, unless they're, you know, really good. Andrews, Kelsey... Uh, kittle the targets that have to be there too yeah yeah exactly like that's the issue like you're never going to be able to justify 10 plus mil apy as a tight end unless you're a top three option in that offense so yeah that that's kind of my like my final takeaway from that
1: yeah um i feel like there's going to be some disappointment like ever since post hunter henry because hunter henry was like a fringe top six top seven dude right um and so jared cook is not that in my opinion right like i think he's sort of top 10 top 15 ish but like sort of on the fringes of that he's also a little older doesn't block so i i feel like there is some disappointment but like argent said it, i mean you do have keenan allen and mike williams and austin Eckler and all these guys that you have to Budget for right in terms of what they're going to do in the in this offense not just talking about financially but um just you know what their target shares are going to be so i I don't really think you need to have like a dominant tight end one like a travis kelsey or something like that um in in the way that this offense works so uh, i'm fine with them focusing more on wide receiver Uh, i think wide receiver is the one where you probably need to get some kind of yak guy also bring back Mike Williams or decide what you're going to do there. So to me, uh, out of the two positions we talked about today, like that is the most pivotal one that will determine this team's success in 2022.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great point, Alex. And uh, somebody asking about Justin Herbert's little brother, I think he's a senior next year, uh, but I don't think he's actually like any good. I don't know. I, uh, I definitely do not remember him watching him. Do anything much at oregon but i guess you know we'll see if that changes next year so justin herbert's um, brother khalil we should have drafted him <laughs> <laughs> yes alex I, uh, I definitely agree there for sure um you know this was a, a fun episode for sure and uh, thank you guys for tuning in really excited to uh dive into this uh specific draft um you know jack h is is really spamming the trail on burke's uh love i have not watched him yet so i'm excited to dive into that uh can't thank arjun enough for filling in for tyler tonight as well uh apparently got it the the first major snowstorm down there in michigan so uh arjun alex be well and the rest of you guys thanks for tuning in and we'll see you guys next time